Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Fitness Candor Podcast. Nick Delgadillo joins us today. Nick runs operations for the Asgard Company. He's the head of corporate development for Starting Strength Gyms. He has been training instructors and coaches in different fighting systems for over 10 years and has served on the Starting Strength Seminar staff since 2013. His current focus, and this is kind of how uh, I first met him in person, is on developing starting strength coaches, optimizing operations at the Asgard company and starting strength gyms, competing in Brazilian jiu-jitsu. And from what I've seen, he's pretty handy with a firearm also. So Nick, welcome to the show, man. I appreciate it. Hey, thanks for having me, Eric. So let's start from the beginning here. Um, I, I've been following starting strength for, for a few years now. Um, and I, I met you and got to, to experience you working with other coaches at the Cincinnati location, starting strength gym. Uh, you, you instructed the squat camp, which um, not only changed how I coach my clients, but has drastically helped me and improve my own squat ability. So thank you very much. Absolutely. Um, so tell us, go ahead. Just for, just for clarification, that was a coaching camp, right? So we co- did, we, yes. Yeah, we went specifically uh, pretty deep on coaching stuff and teaching the the squat, um, and uh, and all the things that come with that. So I'm glad you were there. That was uh, especially for guys like you because you have a personal training background, right? Correct. Especially for guys like you, uh, a lot of the a lot of the folks that come to those are kind of coaching for the first time. So it's always yep. good when somebody has um, pretty good experience working with other people in kind of a fitness uh, in the realm of fitness and then attending one of those things and kind of comparing it to what you've done or seen in the past. Oh yeah. Well, well, when you have an idea of the model and then you start instructing the model on your own clients for, you know, nearly two years, and then you go to a camp like that and you bring something new back (laughs) and then it's like, you've, you've disrupted their entire world. You know, they're like, wait a minute now I have to do what? And it's, you know, it, so it's kind of like you, you kind of, and then you're, you don't have to peel some weight off the bar, which is a little discouraging for some people, but for the sure. most part, but once they, once they get that, first of all, that if you have a coach or a trainer who is invested in somebody's long-term progress by going to a seminar like that, that says a lot. Yep. And then when you, when you take, you take all of that information, you start applying it, it doesn't take much for them to buy back into it. So no, it was great. I'm, I'm just keeping my eyes open for the next coaching development camp in, in Cincinnati. So I'll be, I'll be on board for that. Excellent. So let's start from your beginnings of where you came in from strength training background, and then maybe how you got into the starting strength model. And then we can kind of go from there. Okay. Yeah. Um, my, my first, uh, exposure to strength training was in high school for, uh, for football. So I, I, I've been dealing with a barbell in some way since I was, uh, around 13 years old. Um, and, and one of the first things I learned from, from barbell training at that age, it, it was, it was fun and exciting to add weight to the bar and stuff. And like, like a lot of kids back then, I, I focused too much on the bench press and not enough on the, on the important lifts. Um, but I had, a I had a lot of fun and I learned more than probably the, you know, looking back on it, that's, that experience at the age of 13 to 17 or so, uh, lifting barbells and working hard at it, uh, it, it, it did a lot for my life. I mean, it put me, I, I would say it put me on the trajectory to where I am now, um, professionally, but also it taught me that, uh, things about having control over my own life and, mm-hmm. and the way progress works and, and sticking to something and, and long processes that pay off, uh, in the long run. So, 
Um, so yeah, that, that's a, a kind of a long way to say that, uh, I, I learned, I learned about effective training pretty early on, just, just through, through, through football, through off season football training, I was lucky to have a pretty decent coach and a decent strength training program where we focused on barbell training and squatting to depth and stuff like that. Um, which a lot of kids in the nineties, uh, probably didn't have, I think a, a lot right. of the teams that, that we played against didn't do any weight training at all. Um, and it showed, it showed on the, on the field. So yeah, kind of fast forward. Um, I went to college, did a bunch of stuff, uh, left college and, and got into martial arts, um, in my, in my early twenties. Um, and then as a result of that, you know, got back into, and, you know, I, and I, I had gone to the gym and messed around in the, in the, in the interim there between college and my twenties, but, but, you know, just to, just to mess around, do all the stuff that I thought I should have been doing that I didn't do in high school, like machines and circuits and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but then through, through martial arts stuff, I started teaching pretty early on, started running classes and group sessions. And as a result of that, I started doing conditioning classes in big groups, um, medicine ball slams running around, jumping up and down, push-ups, burpees, you know, all that kind of stuff. Yep. And this would have been, this would have been early two thousands. And, uh, yeah, so I did that for a while. And then at some point, uh, my life took me to Ohio and I, uh, uh, started, I don't remember how exactly, um, I found the CrossFit website. So I started doing some of those CrossFit workouts um, and, and that kind of brought me back to barbells. Uh, I bought, yeah. I bought barbells for the first time again, um, bought weights, bumper plates, all that stuff. And started doing all the barbell lifts again through, through CrossFit. Um, what year was then, that? Uh, that would have been, that would have been Oh six or Oh six Oh seven. Yeah. That's about the same time that I, when I first started into, into CrossFit was about that same time. As soon as I got out of grad school, that's like right, went right into it. When I first yeah. started, read, started reading Ripito's stuff, actually on the website, right. yeah. exactly. Yeah, yeah, and and I don't know if you remember back in those days, the the, the CrossFit workouts were were pretty short, um, and they were pretty in, pretty intense in terms of like the the effort. And not that they're not intense now, but things 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 seem to have gotten pretty silly um, over over the course of the last ten or fifteen years. Um, but the, the the workouts were short. Lots of barbell stuff. You were handling a barbell every single time. Um, and the workouts were like 15 minutes long. You know, there'd be yeah. a couple, like you'd do a 5k or something like that. Um, this was in the days before like fight gone bad and you know, all these other like super long workouts, Yeah. but, uh, or, or like uh, Murph and shit like that. Yep. <clears throat> but sorry, is, is cussing. Okay. On your Cuss, cussing is okay. allowed. Continue. <laughs> all right. Good. <laughs> um, good, good. I don't have to censor myself. So no. anyway, um, so pretty, pretty soon after that, I started programming my own uh, workouts. And then, uh, for the few handful of people that I was training, I was also doing CrossFit stuff with them. Okay. Um, and then eventually I, uh, I was thinking about, uh, well, you know, I, I sucked at it. You know, I, I wasn't good. I wasn't good at CrossFit. Um, and, and I was trying to think about why those reasons were, and you remember they had like the nine fundamental movements and there were things like front squats and all these things. So, yeah. you know, I started thinking about it. I was like, okay, so do I take these things and then start working on them individually and kind of started going in that direction. And then that didn't seem to make any sense. And then I started reading cause I was, I was spending a ton of time reading the, the message boards, the, uh, the, the CrossFit boards. Right. And then I started hearing about this thing called SS. Like people were like, do a cycle of SS, do SS you know, strength bias, 
all this stuff. So um, at some point I, I figured out that SS meant starting strength. And then I found the, and then I went to the library and got the book and then I read it and I was like, Oh, okay. That makes a whole lot of sense. It's like the stuff I was doing in high school when I was, when I was strong. And uh, <clears throat> so I started programming my own CrossFit workouts with a, uh, with a barbell lift first. So I would do a, a barbell lift three sets of five and then do, do the, the wad or whatever it was. And then I started programming my own, um, my own conditioning workouts too. So, uh, so I did that for a while and then was looking for a certification of some kind. I was thinking about doing that, the CrossFit level one, um, around that time when I was looking into this stuff, CrossFit football was big and I was actually doing some of the CrossFit football workouts. Yep. Um, <clears throat> which, which made a lot more sense to me, you know, the, after reading starting strength and, uh, deciding that I needed to be stronger, uh, the CrossFit football stuff made a whole lot of sense. So I, I did that for a while too. And then it was about the same time that, that, uh, that rip separated from CrossFit and started doing his own thing. So, um, the time came, the, the opportunity and the, and jobs and stuff came to where I was looking for a certification to kind of bring into my, uh, classes. I was teaching, teaching again, a lot of, uh, a lot of, uh, self-defense and, and conditioning classes. So I, uh, uh, I was trying to decide which one to do. And I almost, almost went to do the CrossFit football one, but then, uh, rips thing started to, I don't know how I heard about it. It got popular or whatever, but, uh, it seemed like it was the, the, the most interesting and the hardest. So I was like, well, let me, let me check that one out and go for it. So Got really into it, started coaching people just on starting strength, went to a, a camp um, and realized I had been teaching everything all wrong and doing everything all wrong. So I fixed that up and then went and did the seminar in 2011. Um, okay. And uh, and yeah, and then I passed and did the written exam and uh, got certified at the end, of, at the very beginning of 2012. And then awesome. that, that was it, man. So 2012. And then here we are almost 10 years later. And you've been in the, the same location that you started, did you start training and coaching uh, starting strength inside of Wichita Falls with, with no, no, or no. no, 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 no. So I I've been in Wichita Falls for uh, actually right at seven years. Next okay. month will be seven years. Gotcha. Um, so I started, I lived <clears throat> in St. St. Louis. I lived and grew up in St. Louis. So I started there. Um, wow. yep. part? And then uh, out in, out in uh, West County. Are, okay. you, are you familiar? familiar yeah, I'm from Southern Illinois. So right, okay. right across the border from, I, I grew up in Centralia or Carbondale is probably the closest place. Yep. So we're, you know, yep. 45 minutes, an hour away. Yeah. Yep. There you go. Yeah. So yeah, we grew, I spent most of my life out, out West County, like Creve Corps, Chesterfield yeah. Um, yeah. areas. Um, so yeah, started there. Well, I, I moved to Columbus for work. And, uh, that's where I started the whole CrossFit thing. And then we moved okay. back to St. Louis, continued there. And I was teaching classes down in Fenton, um, at the Krav Maga school in Fenton. Um, and then, uh, and then I actually had a little gym in the back of that place for a while. <clears throat> and then, uh, moved, I moved out to Reno in 2011, I believe it was moved out to Reno for work. Um, I worked in logistics and, uh, in Reno, I was, uh, I was already certified. So I, I okay. became certified as a starting strength coach when I was still living in St. Louis. So moved out to Reno. I did some coaching at a, at a great gym out in Reno called American iron gym. Um, so they actually rented me like a really nice, uh, uh, area. Like they set it up with barbells and stuff. And I was teaching, teaching, uh, self-defense classes and doing barbell training there. Okay. Um, and then, uh, 
and then and then rip called me i had been i had been helping out with seminars i'd been to a few seminars as a as a staff coach at that point and i'd run some camps and stuff like that so i i've been kind of involved and uh and then uh yeah rip uh rip called me like new year's eve um 2014 so yeah december 2014 he called me and uh and and told me what was going on and they uh, were looking for somebody. And then, yeah, we moved here in February, 2015. And then uh, you mentioned the CrossFit football. And I remember hearing about that around the same time when I first started listening to Rob Wolf in like 2009, who was yep. the guy who ran CrossFit? There was like one specific dude. He was a former NFL player, John Wellborn. Wellborn. That's right. Yep. Okay. I was trying to think of his name. That's right. Well yeah, and actually, I actually just ran into him last month at a at a fighting class. Um, really? And I got to I got to fight with John Wellborn. That was fun. How was that? Is he a, a monster? He's a monster. His hands are his hands are huge, and he's <laughs> incredibly strong, and he's incredibly violent, and doesn't like to lose. <laughs> that sounds about right. I just remember listening to when when I listened to him because he he and Rob Wolf they would um, he would jump on. Uh, Rob Wolf's right. podcast, like the Paleo, Paleo Solution. And I remember listening to him and his all of his thoughts about nutrition and strength training uh, seemed much more coherent yeah. than than what you were getting from that the the mainstream CrossFit camp at the time. That's exactly right. Yeah, and it just it just made more sense to me. And I, Absolutely. Yeah, it, it, there was so much information, and I remember I remember reading the the CrossFit stuff because I was really into it, and I was I was just uh, consuming everything they put out and, yep. and, you know, and, and I guess, I guess that's how I, I came to find rip and starting strength because he was publishing in the CrossFit journal and Lon Kilgore was publishing the CrossFit yeah. journal and Bill Starr. Um, so I, I was just, I was just obsessed reading all that stuff. Um, and, uh, and yeah, there was just so much information coming out. And I, I remember reading a programming article from, uh, CrossFit, which I think may have been written by Greg Glassman. And it made oh, wow. zero, it made zero sense to me. No sense. Like it, it's just like, and at the time I was just like, this guy's just such a genius that I, I, I have to learn more to figure yeah. out what this actually means. Um, and then contrast that with starting strength where you pick it up. And even if you really don't know what the hell uh, you're talking about after reading that, you can immediately understand what's going on and you can immediately right. understand the logic and, uh, you can immediately understand the why and all that stuff. So, yeah. um, I remember at the time thinking, like I said, that, uh, this is just, this is just over my head. I'm not smart. Uh, you know, I don't know enough to, to understand this yet. And then like, I, I've, I've gone back and looked at that article again and I'm like, okay, that's why I didn't understand it. Cause it's just gibberish. Yeah. It's just gibberish. It doesn't mean anything. Like there's nothing being said here. Um, and not that it, that is that some of the information might not be good or useful, but Sure. Uh, my my point is that there's just, there was just so much and so mm -hmm. many different things to listen to at that time, like that that 07 to 09 to, to 2010 um, was kind of like mm. the uh, yeah was kind of like the there was so much good stuff coming from CrossFit with you know Rip and Rob Wolf and uh, Wellborn and Bergner and all these guys like it was kind of like the place you would go to get the uh, people who are outside of the conventional wisdom. Mm -hmm. and doing really really good stuff and there was a ton of potential there and it seems like it they just decided to hunker down on this one day one way of doing things and then as a result all these guys went away and did their own thing right um but yeah i would listen to to rob wolf's podcast and i would listen to to, to wellborn yep. and i would read anything from uh from rip and starting strength uh because 
all those guys were saying things that uh, at least you could follow and and do some actionable stuff off of it. And, and it made sense. You know, the, the, the logic was there, the, at least the logic chain was in place where it wasn't just like, here's all this crap. Good luck putting it together. Right. Well, a couple of things about CrossFit, and I've said this before is that, and I think you brought up something interesting, um, how it's not the same as it used to be about, and then that 2005, 2006, 2007 era where things seem pretty tight and kind of compact. And even though it might not been, have been the best for the general population, I almost, I look at CrossFit and the people who really succeed at it, especially going to the CrossFit games, because you have the general population will come to, to, uh, and I've had people come to me and say, I want to do CrossFit because they look like this. I'm like, you don't understand those people who are doing that. Those are the NFL athletes of CrossFit. They are the best of the best. And anything that that person does, they are going to look like that and perform the best. Yeah. But anyway, um, you know, I feel like at a certain point when CrossFit started to explode, maybe they, and I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm speaking just for myself, but they might have thought, how do we broaden this to where it's more accessible for more people? And right away, all, all of a sudden, right away, people think that they need more variety into a program. And that's why these things are so, you know, there's 12 different exercises now in, in one workout or whatever it is. I'm not even sure. I haven't paid attention. But yep. they, I think they've expanded it to that because they think that the general population looks at something they, they need more variety. And then it's up to us as coaches to say, actually, you know, variety is probably going to crush your results in the long term. You need less. Well, that, but, yeah. thanks. I don't, I don't know that it's necessarily um, I don't know that it's necessarily the uh, specifically the variety. I think that there's no specific guiding uh, principle. If I were to say like if I were to kind of try to summarize it as one thing. Other than, other than like wreck yourself every workout like that, you know, and and what's the, what's the best way to do that. And as you get people who are uh, doing it longer and in better shape and, and the workouts, you know, you've got to figure out more ways to keep it interesting. Then there's almost, then there's almost this natural progression of doing, doing more and and more and more um, and then, and then getting away from it. But, but that, no matter how you, you figure out, figure it out. I think if, if that's going to be your, uh, and, and, and I think that's one of the reasons that CrossFit appealed to me initially, because that's how I used to work out. You oh, know? Sure. I mean, we'd, we we'd go get, we'd go get tires and sledgehammers and, mm. uh, uh, and throw them around and just try to get as tired as you possibly could as quickly as possible. Yeah. And then, and then all of a sudden CrossFit comes around and then now you can add a barbell and do deadlifts for time. And that's a really efficient way to make yourself really damn tired, yeah, like <laughs> way more, way more efficient than flipping this tire up and down the parking lot, yeah. um, you know, for, for time. Uh, so, so, so th- that's what appealed to me, but then not realizing that that's not, that process doesn't lead anywhere other than just getting better at making yourself really tired. Very true. Um, and, and I learned that, uh, I figured that out pretty quickly um, when the strength training piece of it was added in, you know, because yeah. yeah. uh, it's just not necessary unless your goal is, to, is just that just to have a good workout and get really, really tired. The problem then becomes sweaty. that yeah. you're always tired. You know, you're never recovered. You're always beat up. Your elbows take a beating, your shoulders take a beating, your knees take a beating. And then you're, and then you're having surgery on your shoulders. Yep. You know? Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. My, my, my biggest uh, compliment towards CrossFit, I guess now would be the people who, who are getting introduced to it 
and I'm assuming this is still the same, at least they're getting introduced to something um, to, to a type of form of exercise. Like they did, or they did, they've done an, an excellent job of marketing it to the masses. So, sure. so thankfully you got more people moving and then how many people kind of deviate? Cause eventually the 65 year old uh, uh, woman is going to quickly realize that she doesn't like feeling beat up all the time and she's not going to have six pack abs. Yep. So, so, you know, eventually she, she finds, she finds something else. Um, yeah. The, anyway. positive, the positive benefits have been that a whole bunch of people have been introduced to uh, using barbells in the yep. gym. A whole bunch of people have been introduced to the idea that uh, fitness is not easy or comfortable, um, yep. that it's, that it's really hard. And, um, you know, it seems like the, the, at least from the last times I've been in a, in a commercial gym or seen what's happening in there from videos and stuff, it seems like things have, have shifted more towards a, uh, like a, 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 a rehab type thing where people are, mm. you know, trying to, where personal trainers are, are playing physical therapists, but between that and, and the circuits that people were doing 10 years ago, or 15 years ago in the gym of just going machine to machine to machine, you know, you can just see what the personal trainers are doing and they're, they're, they're doing like functional CrossFit type stuff. And that has bled over into that, yeah. um, which, which could, could be argued that it's a positive thing. Cause you don't, you're yeah. not just a, a pin setter counting reps. You're actually teaching some movement and stuff and getting, and, and I don't care about the trainers, but I'm talking about the clients are, are getting used to the idea that, that they're going to be moving and they're going to be uh, getting sweaty and stuff like that. So, um, you know, what, what we offer is, uh, is a, an actual effective way to, to get that done through, yeah. through barbell training, right. To get whatever your, whatever yes. goals you have to get them done through barbell training. It's not necessary to have this constant variety um, and harder means, more weight on the bar, not more time or more reps or breathing harder. That's a perfect segue into why I really wanted to have you on. And this, so my background people, and I, I talked to you about this when I saw you at the seminar, um, that my background came from. So in, in 2000, early in college, I started reading Arthur Jones and, I, and I'm not going to knock Arthur Jones. I, I know a lot of people have their opinions on him. What he did, what, what that material did for my career you know, launched me into what I'm doing now. So I'm, I'm very thankful for it. Um, at one time I was the person saying though, and I would I'd openly admit, openly admit this, that there's no difference between a chest, an upright chest press machine, Nautilus nitro chest press machine and a barbell. You're still working your chest. Right. Like that, honestly, that's what I would tell my clients. And that's what I believed wholeheartedly. Sure. Uh, and, and I feel silly about that, uh, given my background and how long I've been doing this for 15 plus years. And um, so, so my background came from exactly that. I got very good at coaching people through, um, through exercises on machines, 12 to 15 different exercises. Right. Yeah. And then, <clears throat> excuse me, and then lockdown happened. And then all I had in my own, my own place was a barbell and a really crappy rack, which I've since upgraded and it's great in there. But, um, and then I, I reread the starting strength during that time. And, and I thought, well, this is all I have. This is what I'm going to do. And I remember texting my buddy, um, Ryan at the time, who's also a, a coach. And I was like, man, I'm bringing this back to all my clients. This is what I'm doing. This makes sense. Now, 90% yep. of my clients took hold. And then there was a couple who, who, and I'm not going to pull teeth. Like I, you know, what, what I, what I was doing before they liked it, they were happy with it. Cool. Let's keep doing it. That's fine. But for the other 90% who, who made the transition, 
they love it and and they and they feel anti-fragile that they're you know having uh, someone having confidence in handing them or, or instructing them how to handle a barbell especially if you're a 75 to 80 year old you're like wow i thought this was only for young people and then you teach them the method and the process and it it really has changed their life right so what i thought you and i could discuss is something that coaches and trainers alike get a lot of questions on and it's what is the difference between modalities? Is there a difference between barbell training, dumb, using dumbbells and using machines? And uh, I'm not here, both of us are not here to disparage one or the other. People have their, you know, if, if you're someone out there using only machines and you enjoy it, I know there's a great benefit to it. Go for it. Uh, keep doing it. If you're only using barbells, great. You know, here, here this is going to be a little bit more fuel to your fire. Um, so that's really what I want to have you on for. And I know that you have discussed it a little bit on uh, the starting strength podcast, which has been great. So let's discuss then someone comes to you, Nick, and says, what is the difference between a using barbells as a general scope, using barbells, machines versus dumbbells? What does that discussion look like? And then maybe we can kind of dive into specifics on different exercises as, as examples. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I can, I can really just summarize the answer in, uh, in like two words and it's, it's systemic stress. The difference is systemic stress. Um, and, and that's what it comes down to. So I, you know, I would never, uh, say that to a client or someone just walking in and be like, well, it's just systemic stress. Cause that's right. kind of meaningless to them. But, uh, but that's really what it is. It's, it's how stressful uh, is the exercise, how stressful is the training program, because that's what's going to determine progress. <clears throat> so people try to come at this stress problem from different ways uh, and end up just spinning their wheels. And, you, and we all know this, anybody who spent, spent any time in the gym trying to get bigger and trying to get stronger, if you don't have a systematic, uh, highly stressful way to do that, it's not going to work. And then along with the stress thing, all the things that come along with the other, the other side of the coin, which is recovery, right? Mm -hmm. So if you have high stress and you have a, a systematic program, you've also got to have recovery factors under control. So um, that's a very simple, uh, simple equation or a simple answer, but it's very, very hard to do in practice. Right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, because how will you produce enough systemic stress using dumbbells or body weight or bands or anything that doesn't load you as heavy as possible. And I'm not talking about as heavy as possible today. Yeah. Because there's some there's gonna be some time where you have to learn how to do the movements and you've got to gain proficiency and you've got to work your way up to to truly heavy weights. But if we're talking about a, a lifelong process that's the acquisition of strength, which is building tissue and uh and, and building tissue, building bone, building muscle, building connective tissue. Uh, those are expensive processes. They're difficult processes. They're processes that your body is resistant to doing because mm. your body doesn't, doesn't want to change, right? It wants to stay the way it is. Um, so this is, that's the deal, man. It's, it's, it's uh, systemic stress is what we're talking about. Um, and uh, so, so yeah, the, 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 so if we're, if I'm talking to a client or somebody who's asking me this question that doesn't know anything about anything, um, the approach, my approach has to be, well, what, what is it that you want to do? Like, what are your goals? Do you, do you want to get stronger? Do you want to get bigger? Uh, do you want to look better? And all these things can be accomplished through barbell training, 
Um, but then it's my job as the coach to explain why barbell training is the most efficient way to do that right. and the most effective way to do that. Um, the, the complicating factor here, uh, and you understand this as a trainer, um, and anybody who's a strength coach understands this too, <clears throat> that, uh, the, the, the confounding variable here is that everything works initially. So it's easy to fool yourself as a trainer. Uh, and we've both done this. I, I, you know, I can, I can confidently say that we've both done this. It's easy to, to fool yourself that the thing that you're excited about right now is the best thing because it works because everything works initially, you yeah. know? So if you're dealing with people who are just walking in off the street, um, you're going to see progress no matter what you have them do for the first six to 12 weeks, depending on how, how, how bad a shape they're in. Right. So you're going to see progress. And then the other thing is that how, how many people in your, in your career have you had that stay longer than 12 weeks? Not many. Right. And um, if you're not a good train, like if you're, if you're starting out, right. You're, the, the you see a lot of turnover. You see a lot. You see turnover. a lot. You see a lot of turnover, right? Yep. And the, the reasons are because it's not because people are lazy. Um, I mean, people are lazy, but it's that's not the primary reason. The reason is because we we didn't have the tools to continue their progress long term. We didn't have the tools in terms of the actual method, and then how to keep people motivated and wanting to continue doing this hard process uh, over over a, a long period of time. Um, you know, your typical deal is you you come in. Uh, a client comes in, they're brand new. They, they just started working out again. You put them on whatever program, you give them a few tips on eating and they lose 30 pounds, right? They lose 30 pounds. They feel great, sleeping better, you know, all this stuff. Um, and then week 12 comes around and then their progress just hits a hard wall <laughs> done. Right. You know, and then what do most trainers do? They say something like, well, uh, do this other thing, this other class that I have do this, you got to do this other program. Um, you're eating too many carbs, you know, whatever the pet situation is, they're, they're going to blame the problem on the client and not that you've reached the end of this thing that we've been doing and it's time to move on to something else. that's more effective and more stressful and harder. Um, you see what I'm saying? So yes, 100%. So the, the barbell training gives you like this, gives you this, this, uh, ongoing trajectory, right? It's just upwards, right? And at first it's going to go like this and then it's going to taper and then it's going to go slower. Right. But if you're, if you're, if your goals are to get stronger to become more capable, um, to perform, to, to improve your, uh, your body composition, to look better, mm -hmm. uh, all these things, like I said, can be accomplished through strength training, but, um, it's, it's a, it's a long process. And it's a difficult process. And, um, and it's, it's, unless you, unless you get excited about mustering up the courage to come lift a heavier and heavier weight, every workout, right. it's not exciting, you know, is the yeah. other part of it, you know? So, yeah. uh, I, and I, I've, I've had this conversation with clients many times. I'm like, look, man, um, people who are starting to, to, uh, to have little nagging, um, not injuries, but like something is uncomfortable. Or, you know, the, the weight's starting to slow down. It's starting to get heavy. And I'm talking like in the first couple of months and I'm like, look, yeah. this is, uh, all I can promise you is, is harder and more difficulty and more work, you know, because, because this is not easy. If you want to transform the way you look and how you perform, uh, that is the hardest thing you can do physically. 
Right. You know, so, so yeah, it's going to be tough. And all I can promise you is, is harder work and, um, and, and heavier weights. So yeah. it's, it's not an appealing thing for, for, for people, uh, for most people, for a lot of people. Uh, but you know, if you can, if you can get yourself into the position where people are looking for you and they know what you offer, right. um, it can, it can be a really great thing as a trainer because you're, you're not having to convince people anymore. It's like, here's what I do. Um, I'm pretty damn good at it and, uh, I will help you if you want it. And if you don't, you know, somebody else will come around along that, that does want my help. Right? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know if I actually answered your question. Uh, you, you know, you, you did, <clears throat> you actually answered a bunch of different ones. I think you kind of broke it down, um, all at one time. I think when I'm talking to a client and they'll ask me, what's the difference between, and I'm just going to start with, um, how, instead of doing a, a barbell squat today, why can't we just do leg press? And, and, yep. and my simplest answer is because the, the barbell squat is, uh, you're involving more muscle mass in the barbell squat than you are on the leg press. And they're like, well, how come you're, you're just using your legs, right? Well, then I, then you talk about how they hold the bar. And if you put it in context of them, well, when you hold the bar on your back, what do you have to do? You have to set the position, set the bar in the correct spot. And where's that, where's the, the pressure of that bar coming? Uh, uh, what, what, what is the pressure of that bar doing to the rest of your body? And if they've already done it, they're, they're thinking, oh, wow. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. My back is completely out of the motion. My hips are out of the motion and I'm just pushing basically my maybe a little bit of glutes and some quads on the leg press. Right. But if, if you've, if they've done that before, it's easy to, to get them back, you know, to this section over here, a brand new person, it's the exact same conversation, um, except they don't know what they don't know yet. Right. So if you have them do it uh, and experience what, what holding a barbell on their back is like during the, the leg press, or excuse me, dur during a barbell squat, then you can differentiate the amount of muscle mass and efficiency of exercise uh, compared to, to a leg press. Because what most people don't want to do is come in and I have different session lengths than, than most people. I do 30 minutes and hours. And so, you know, I'm sorry to say, but I've, I've bastardized the program a little bit to, to fit my, to fit my client's needs. Sure. But I will have, when, when somebody comes in and they understand how efficient a barbell squat is, uh, compared to having to hit multiple machines, uh, to, to break down, you know, the muscle groups, muscle groups, right. then, then, then they can understand that process. Yeah. And it comes down to, um, so, so yeah, the, 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 the primary difference, so systemic stress, like I said before, but the, the difference in terms of executing the movement, and like you said, the, the machine is going to take up some of the positional stuff. And then also the big one is balance, right? So if you, yes. if you have the, the, if you are in control of the barbell and the only thing between the bar and the floor is your body, yep. then a huge percentage of your effort is maintaining that configuration where you're not falling over. Right. So if you don't yes. have to fall down, like this is the way Rip always says it. If, if not falling down is part of the exercise, then, then you are using balance, right. And you're, exactly. you're stressing balance and you're training balance. So, uh, and that's absolutely true. So not only do you have your body, uh, uh, handling the position and the movement of the bar, yes. but you're also having to solve this balance problem, which adds to the overall stress and the amount of muscle that's being used and the amount, and, and not only the amount of muscle that's being used, but another way to look at it is the amount of muscle that you can potentially stress. 
right? right. So you, yes. you have to apply a stress in order to produce an adaptation. Um, you're, you're going to be limited with any machine because the machine handles position for you, which could be a good or a bad thing, right? If the machine's not set up perfectly for your, if you're a little short person or a super tall person, those machines aren't set up for you. Right. Um, and, and then on top of that, you don't have to solve the balance problem. So your only job is to push and you can push however you want. And there, that's how you get people who can't squat 225 that can leg press a thousand pounds. Exactly. Yeah. 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 No, you're that's 100% right. And I was going to start bringing up the, uh, the balance and the agility part, because uh, if you're a novice and you start on machines, uh, like you said earlier, anything is going to work. You're going to see progress very quickly, but that doesn't translate to, to barbell exercises. Right. Um, so there's that, there's that to consider also. But it does. Here's an interesting thing. It goes the other way, right? If, you're, it, flips, if you get, it flips the other way. Yeah. If you, you can, you can never touch a, a machine and you do a barbell program and uh, you will perform better on that machine than if you, than if you did the other, if you went the other way. Yes. Yeah. Having someone sit down on an, an upright chest press machine and having them bench press 100 pounds on that, where they don't have to balance anything and they can look anywhere they want and their breathing for the most part really doesn't matter versus laying down and getting in correct, correct position. And then using the, that Valsalva maneuver and paying attention to where the bar is going uh, without actually right. staring at the bar. All of that is, is going to benefit the chest press machine. Yep. Whereas the chest press machine brings very, very little to the barbell bench press. Exactly. Yep. So let's go down um, the list here a little bit. We, we kind of talked about the barbell squat. Let's um, look at the differences between a barbell squat versus a goblet squat and a leg press. We already kind of touched on the leg press. So let's say bringing a dumbbell exercise into it. How does the goblet squat compare to a barbell squat? Yeah. Uh, going back to, you know, I, I'm always going to try to bring it back to the, to the most fundamental concept. And the fundamental concept, again, is, is systemic stress, right? It's systemic stress, which means how much load can you apply to yourself? Um, how much range of motion can you get out of it? And um, how much muscle mass can you involve? So if you compare a squat, uh, a barbell, when I say squat, I just mean a squat, right? So barbell, yeah, squat, barbell squat, it's on your back, low bar position. So you compare a squat to a goblet squat, you have the same muscle mass involved right? So you, everything between the weight and the floor is involved. So you've got the same amount of muscle mass. Um, you've got the same amount of range of motion. Let's just assume that the, the guy is, is squatting to right below parallel with the goblet squat and the, 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 the squat. Um, so you've got same muscle mass, same range of motion. So what is the difference then? Um, and in terms of getting stronger and systemic stress, the obvious difference is the load that you can use. Right. And, and there's a, now there's some things to talk about because there's a mechanical situation where the weight is in your hands mm -hmm. versus on your back in a secure position. So how much weight can you hold in that position right. is the first thing. And then also the, uh, <clears throat> where the, the leverage, where the moment arms are distributed in that system. If you're in, if you're in a goblet squat, the weights in front of you, which necessarily, because we're, we're solving a balance problem transfers the, uh, shifts, the, the, the load shifts, the, 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 I'm trying to not get too technical with the moment arms and stuff shifts right. the leverage to the knees, the stress to the knees and away from the hips. 
Yes. And this is this is one of the reasons that people love goblet squats, that the trainers love gobl goblet squats because it produces this nice, beautiful vertical back angle right. and it looks looks safe for your back because your back's not bent over. Uh, and a goblet squat forces you into that position. Um, but it's not loadable. And it turns out that that vertical back angle doesn't matter because yeah, right. you can you you can deadlift a bunch of weight from a horizontal back angle. Uh, and that's not the reason. I mean, the, I'm trying to appeal to people's, uh, to the, to the arguments, right? So you can, you can bend over and deadlift a bunch of weight well in excess of anything that you can squat. Um, and turns out that you can squat in a low bar position, a whole bunch of weight and not hurt your back because it's just not the way your back works. It's not, it's, it's not gonna, uh, it's not gonna shear. It's not gonna, gonna snap in half. It's Correct. not the way things work. The, the force is transferred in compression you know, through the muscles and the connective tissue and all that stuff. So it's perfectly safe. Um, plus you can add a bunch more weight. It's a more, it's a more advantageous position in terms of how secure the load is on your back and where the leverage, where the moment is, is shifted, which is now towards the hips in a squat mm -hmm. versus the knees in a front, in a, in a goblet squat or a front squat. Right. Yeah. R right away. And you nailed it was the load position. If we're talking about, um, providing the most efficiency and, and especially in terms of getting stronger, you can have someone, I mean, relatively, if, if we're talking about indivi each individual is going to be different, but if I'm talking to a healthy, strong, uh, a healthy person, let's say male right away, you can get them uh, squatting 135 pounds very, very quickly. Whereas they're going to be holding, I mean, what's the heaviest number you can hold in front in good form, you know, right. and, and not have, and not have to uh, sacrifice too much form. 90, hundred pounds. I mean, and then eventually you run out of weight. You're not going to stack 200 pound dump, uh, dumbbells on top of each other. Exactly. Whereas the weight, the weight for, uh, the barbell can, can just keep increasing well past 200 pounds. Yep. Um, very good. So let, let's move to, uh, we talked a little bit about bench press. We, we touched on that one. Um, looking at, and all this is going to be very, very, all this is going to be very similar. I mean, it's, yep. we're, we're swapping out exercises just for the sake of, of talking about what most people use. But, um, you know, when we're, we're discussing these things, each individual person, there are going to be some people who, who maybe have some kind of injury that's going to limit uh, their ability to overhead press with, with a, a barbell. So let's go into shoulder press, um, for instance. So if you don't have somebody that can get into the correct position for an overhead press, what would be the recommendation there? Um, I've been doing this for a while and I've worked with all kinds of people, young people, old people, beat up people, healthy people. Um, and I've yet to find somebody who absolutely could not press somehow. Yeah. Um, so the, the, the thing now I'm not saying that that doesn't exist. There are situations where you will not be able to press, but it's pretty damn rare. Yeah. Um, if you can take your arm and put it up over your head, um, you can press. Uh, so yeah, off the top of my head, I can't think of anybody that I've worked with that I have absolutely not been able to have press in some, in some way. So, so yeah. And the reason is, let me, let me, uh, make this a little bit more helpful or useful, but the reason is that, that these parent movements, and when I say parent movements, like the main lifts, the ones that fit our criteria for getting stronger, the best, um, that criteria being, uh, most muscle mass using the greatest effective range of motion, 
using the heaviest weight possible. The four lifts that fit that criteria are the squat, the press, the bench, and the deadlift. Um, and those movements, if you, if you remove the barbell aspect of it, those are natural human movements that we perform every day, just as a result of the way our bodies are configured. Right. And all we're doing when we're barbell training is loading the skeleton and performing those movements. Now you can perform the movements efficiently or inefficiently. And our job as, as my job as a starting strength coach, because we have this mechanical model that uh, optimizes the efficiency of the lift. My job is to get somebody lifting as efficiently as possible. Um, but those are, those are natural loaded human movements. So my point is that if you, if, uh, if you can function normally as a human being, you can press. All right. Now, uh, any severe deficiency where you can't, you know, you, let's say you can only lift your arm, uh, to a, like, what would that be? Like, like a hundred degrees, you know, you can't go to, you can't go to a full 180. Um, you have a deficiency that right. precludes you from doing these movements. Right. So in a, in a otherwise healthy person, um, even with beat up shoulders, <clears throat> if you can lift your arms over your head, you can press. So, um, and we may have to modify it. Right. Like right. you may have to, you may have to run a, a light bar or even a wooden dowel up the uprights of a rack right. to get that range of motion um, until you can do it without the rack. And then you start loading it. Right. So you get range of motion first and then you get load. Um, so, so yeah, the, the idea that somebody can't press for some reason is very rare. And if they can't, then you've got to do the closest thing you can to that, to that basic movement. Does that make sense? It so, does. And, and so, so ba basically, and what kind of what I, what I was more um, leaning towards, I guess, is would there be an, uh, a place where someone would say, okay, maybe be, it would be more beneficial to have you use dumbbells versus a barbell. But what you're essentially saying is as long as you can, can go overhead, there's no reason to not use a barbell style press. And, and that's going to be the same with the bench press. That's going to be same with the squat and it'll be same with the deadlift. If there, right. if you can get into a, just a modicum of the position, then it can be adjusted. So like for a deadlift, a deadlift, for instance, you know, I, I really started thinking about like, man, what's, what's the substitute. You can do a, you could do a dumbbell deadlift, a body weight deadlift, I guess. I don't under tension. I don't know how you would really justify that. And then you raise it, raise a deadlift off the floor. Right. Yeah. And then, and then for machines, um, you know, you basically have hamstring specific exercises or maybe even a belt squat, something like that. You can use a belt squat, right. but, but if a person cannot get into a deadlift position, then there's always something like a rack pull. And I have plenty of people who do the rack pull for a very long time. And the benefit of it is, is once they learn how to get in their back into extension, they keep the right form, the shoulders are over the bar uh, in front of the bar. And it, once they get very proficient at that, I just lower it, lower the pin exactly. just a little bit. And, and that's, and, and that's how we run it out. Same thing for what you were just saying, same thing with the, the overhead press, same thing with the bench press. If we have to modify the bench press, um, I've, I've started people on pin presses before. If it's, if, right. it, if they, if they can't get into a position, we start very high. And then the exactly. next time they come in, as long as they can handle it, I might not even change the load. The load might stay the same for a very long time. And we just drop the pins a little bit. That's exactly right. Yeah. yeah. Adding, yeah. Changing. And, and you, you've got, you've got the point. Yeah. So these are the, these are the, the, the basic movements and those should kind of form your, 
um, the, the basis of what you're doing and you want to try to get closer to those movements. Because again, for the arguments that I've already stated that these are natural loaded human movements, they're perfectly safe. Um, so getting back to normal is the first step. Mm-hmm. Normal being moving this barbell through the full range of motion. Um, so that's the first step. And then once you've gotten, once you've gotten full range of motion, then you start loading it. So if you, so going back to your press example, somebody has trouble pressing or for whatever reason, they need a substitute. The substitute isn't changing the exercise. It's modifying the exercise so that you can, you can move through the range of motion until you don't need the assistance anymore. If you were to change to a dumbbell, generally, the mm-hmm. problem now is that you've introduced uh, you've introduced an, an imba- not an imbalance you've introduced an instability, right? Because now you've got two loads to, to mm-hmm. manipulate, not one. You've got two loads, um, and any issues that you have will will generally only be magnified by that additional instability. In addition to the fact that you can't load it as heavy, right? You can't load right. it as heavy. You can't stress as heavy. You can't stress the range of motion as heavy because now you're solving this problem in kind of three dimensions rather than mm-hmm. just two dimensions, right? And, and, and this goes back to what we were talking about earlier. <clears throat> the barbell exercise will benefit the dumbbell exercise. So if, if <clears throat> excuse me, so somebody can't find that range of motion and then you switch the exercise, like you said, to a dumbbell. Well, do you have a plan to get them to go back to the barbell? Is that exactly. is that it? Because if that is the issue, then- even if you get them to a very head overhead, a very heavy overhead press with dumbbells, that's not going to translate back to the barbell. Right. And then your learning technique again. Um, yeah, they're going to be a little stronger. You just increase weight and increase the systemic stress. Um, but then, like you said, you have, um, there's going to be the balance issue. There's going to be, um, everything else might, might increase like someone's bone density, someone's, you know, the muscular strength might be, might be there. The endurance is going to be there. I say all that, I think you say all that too in for the, for the case, for making the case that if someone is going to, if you're already coaching someone with, with barbells and you're making the case to them that, Hey, if you, if you want to get stronger, this is going to work the longest range of motion with the most, most muscle mass and the most weight, nothing's going to replace the barbell. Now, if there's an, like a really severe injury, um, or someone is extremely weak, then I have, I've justified using the leg press for a certain amount of time. Of course. Right. So, th- so, so, so that, but that's a different conversation. I feel like altogether, it's a different conversation, but in terms of using one over the other, um, and this is, you know, this is kind of weird for me to say, because of my background with machines for so long, I have seen an amazing amount of progress using just the barbell for all of my clients that, that, Right. Want to do that versus going back and, and using the machine. I mean, it's, uh, we didn't even, we didn't even get touch, you know, range of motion. We didn't touch, um, the flexibility range of motion aspect, um, uh, cardiovascular improvements. Um, right. Um, as a whole, I just think that this conversation is beneficial because if you are more, more so for coaches, <clears throat> excuse me, and trainers, if you're not sure to have that, how to have that conversation, then you need to know what to say to your client when they ask you, because unless you're in a barbell gym and they know what, exactly what they're going there for. But I had, I had my, a client today who I switched. Um, we've been doing um, the program for uh, I guess going on since November. 
And he asked me today, he goes, so what do you think about this program compared to what we were doing before, which was more like a circuit style program for him. And I was like, John, I can show you your numbers right now. And you can tell me. And, and he's like, no, I feel great with it. He goes, I just want to make sure that you're still good. <laughs> you're talking to me. Yeah. I just want to make sure that you don't think we're missing out on anything. I'm like, John, I wouldn't have you doing this if I thought we were missing out on anything. That's right. And uh, he finished his uh, rack pulls and, you know, off to the races. So yep. anyway, Nick, Nick, I think this was super helpful just to just kind of talk and workshop through um, the, the differences. Add, yeah, go, no, no, yeah, go, ahead, go ahead. Let me add just one point because the, you know, this is all, I, I think hopefully we've made good logical sense here. The, uh, the, the, the main issue uh, and, and the main, the main sort of uh, uh, roadblock for people doing this, even if they, if they agree and understand is uh, what, what, what I'm proposing, what we're proposing mm-hmm. versus what's typically done in gyms. Uh, the, the main factor there is, is coaching because if you decide yeah. that, if you decide that, okay, barbell training makes the most sense, it's the most efficient way to get things done. Um, if you decide to do the overhead press with a barbell or a wooden dowel versus a dumbbell press, you've decided that you're going to do the movement that requires more instruction and more coaching. Yes. Right. Cause how do you mess up a dumbbell press? You, you either, you either pick it up, you either put it over your head or you don't. And there's zero consideration for, for technique other than just, put the thing over your head. As soon as you have a barbell in two hands and it requires that you move your body under the bar, uh, now you've, you've got a coaching problem, right? Same thing with a goblet squat. You put a, a, a weight in somebody's hand, a kettlebell or a dumbbell in somebody's hand, and you tell them to squat down to below parallel. Uh, there's very little, there's very few ways that they can mess that up. You put a barbell on somebody's back and you tell them to lift it in the most efficient way possible. And you, you now it requires that you instruct them how to do that and then coach them in the best way to do it. Right. So that's, you know, all this stuff that we're talking about is, is, is great. And we can probably get people to agree with it. Um, but now you have to layer the coaching aspect on top of it, Absolutely. which is, um, you've got to actually teach people how to do this and how to do it efficiently. Um, so that they are lifting the most weight in the most efficient way. And as a result are doing it the safest way possible as well. Right. Cause efficiency equals uh, safety. Yeah. or more safe way to do things. Um, so that's, that's the big, huge kind of yeah. elephant in the room is we're, we're arguing for a, a method that requires uh, instruction and requires coaching um, at a, at a level of proficiency that most people in the fitness industry don't possess. Currently. Agreed. I agree. Right? And I think to take it one step further, if you're at, let's, let's stick with the, the overhead press, starting with the machine overhead press, the likely the, the amount of coaching that goes into it, I would argue there you can coach people on machines, but the level at which each one, as you go up, the coaching that's done on from a machine to a dumbbell, then to a barbell is drastically different because on the, Absolutely. on the, because on the machine, yeah, you're going to coach their, their pace. You do want them set up in the, in the correct spot, but for the most part, you know, you're, you're watching the handles go up, go back down, go up. There's no worry about placing a weight over your head. The weight is not over your head. It's just handles. When you go to a dumbbell press, same kind of thing. Here's your setup. Here's how you want to set your back. Um, you are pressing above head, but, but the challenge then becomes, you know, it, 
you're basically you're set. It's like a separated barbell. So there's nothing directly over your head. Right. And then you they didn't. I don't know if it's the intimidation factor of the barbell, but once you put the weights on the barbell to some people, it it changes their composure. It's a completely different thing. Yep. But how to position your hands on the barbell, where to position it, depending on your limb, your limb length. You don't have to worry about that kind of stuff on a machine or dumbbells. Right. You know, your, your, your anatomy matters so much more uh, on, on a barbell. So those kind of things really come into play and you can see the transition. Um, once I started getting all of my clients onto the barbell and that, that's when I started to notice like, okay, Nick, this is going to take a huge, you know, manual adjustments. I want your hands here, right? right. Now, now press here. No, not there. I'm going to move you back to here. You don't have to do that with, with other modalities with the yep. barbell. Like you said, the coaching takes you from here to here. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Big time. Yep. Well, Nick, I, I appreciate it. I appreciate the time. I appreciate the input. I think this is, uh, we, I mean, this, you know, this is, this is a conversation that could go on for another hour if we wanted to, sure. to, to really dive in. But um, if people have more questions, comments, concerns for you, where's the best place to reach you? Um, through the uh, Starting Strength website, um, you can go to my, uh, the, my author page on there. Probably I've already answered your question in a, in a, in a short article or something like that. So right. um, my author page there, I've got a bunch of, kind of shorter articles. And whenever I write those, it's with a specific question in mind that either a client has had or, or something that I see people messing up uh, consistently. Um, the, on the forums, um, if you find my email, uh, nick.delgadio at startingstrength.com um, is my uh, official starting strength email. Awesome. And then, um, you know, I'm social media and stuff, but I don't like to answer training questions on social media okay. if possible. Perfect. And then you've got the starting strength uh, podcast that you're very involved in. So yep. I'll, I'll have a link to that also. And um, I hope people do reach out to you. And again, Nick, I appreciate it, man. Thanks so much. All right. Thank you very much. Bye.